to the Daytime Confidential Podcast, brought to you by DaytimeConfidential.com. On today's show, is Peter Reckle returning to Days of Our Lives? Jason is unmasked on General Hospital. Ridge and Caroline heat up on The Bold and the Beautiful. And Phyllis stops Schick's wedding on The Young and the Restless. All this and much more on today's show, so stay tuned. welcome hey sarah babel welcome howdy everybody <laughs> well jamie no i just giggled i said she said howdy it's like three of us are from texas but i know she's really from berkeley <laughs> which is as far from texas as you possibly can be it's right. it's true but i don't want to scare everybody with my hippie talk <laughs> so howdy fits right in so cool beans <laughs> I, well, and I have Texas blood in me, though apparently that doesn't qualify me as a Texan. No, it does not. It does not. Bush tried that. It does not work. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about Days of Our Lives. Jamie, it was a big week, a surprising week, but m- maybe more importantly, there was talk of Peter Reckle returning. Well, now, here's the thing. Peter has been doing a lot of Days of Our Lives related tweeting. Um, everyone jumped on the, there might be uh, some positive, you know, I guess, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he, he basically tweeted that there could be some, pardon the pun, hope, you know, which he didn't say that word, but still. So... But, excuse me, since that fact, or since that those tweets, there have been clarifying tweets that basically was saying that, you know, it was never about money when he left, that it was about wanting to spend more time with his daughter, uh, with Kelly Moneymaker. So I don't know what, you know, the, the first batch of tweets seemed like he was in negotiations, you know. I said, seems like, I, you know, I have no intel. And then now, um, um, I, I don't know. I mean, like right now, you look at his latest tweets and his latest days. Sorry if I got your hopes up read days when I said there's movement. It's for something else. That old saying about doors opening and closing. I mean, it, his tweets were definitely days related earlier. Well, what kind of movement is this? A bowel movement? I mean, a sonnet movement? I mean, what is this? Well, I mean, this is, you know, I will I will say this. When Rick Hurst returned to The Bold and the Beautiful a few years ago, you know, I broke it basically when it was still in the negotiations phase. And I got chewed out by no one at the show, but, you know, that you guys need to stop doing that because you know, deals, you can't be doing that when deals are being negotiated because you can ruin the deal for people, which, you know, I was like at the time, well, Deadline does it all the time. Why why, <laughs> why is this whole blogging community held to a different standard? But anyway, to make, you know, now with, that was kind of before all the soap stars were on Twitter. Now, uh, the soap stars are their own publicity machine. They're their own agents. They're their own everything via social media. It's like, if you want a better gig, you know, get the fans riled up, get them on Twitter. So I don't know. I mean, his tweets earlier in the week definitely seemed like they were about days of our lives. So now he's doing the, I mean, this could be the equivalent of Brandon Buddy's, you know, every time he said something he didn't want to admit, 
I got hacked. I was hacked. You know, I don't know. I mean, I felt like he was in some sort of negotiations. Um, he said, you say Bo's actions are out of character. That's a writer's way of foreshadowing something in character happening down the road. But the writers have written far ahead, and my suggestions are a bit too late. Which makes So it's like, if he's not coming back to days, he's talking about it an awful lot. And, you know... So in other words, he's angling for a job. I don't know. I don't, I mean, he has made it his point over and over again that he didn't leave because of money. You know, initially it was more talk of he wasn't happy with storyline direction. And and at that point, I could not blame him because as a huge Bo and Hope fan, I was not yet ready to see them become Tom and Alice and, you know, just kind of sit around going, they're there. Oh, our niece Sammy sure has an active life, you know. So when really they're only a decade or so older than Sammy and she was still getting tons of story, you know? Um, so I don't know. I mean, I would love for days for their 50th anniversary to borrow a page from GH and we see Bo and Patch and Jack and Denise Alexander as Susan and Susan Flannery as Laura and all these huge returns. But I don't think days number one has the money for that. And number two, Days has done that in the past, and it didn't work out so well. So I'm kind of thinking maybe they just need to focus on telling the hell out of some stories for the canvas they have. Sarah, what do you think about it? Well, I think, like you, it seemed like he was either hinting at some sort of negotiations or even preemptively trying to get some negotiations started by getting the fans riled up. And either it didn't work out or we're all making too much out of this, and he was like, you know, drunkenly watching EJ's death because he was so sad and he was having some wine and he got a little creative on Twitter and then was like, oops, I'm Peter Reckle. I can't do that. Um, those are, you know, either of those things could have happened. I have no insight into the situation. I agree with you that I wish Days could bring back a lot of its old favorites. But then I was having this conversation with a friend that the way Days tells story, other than with Kristen who came back and she jump-started five different things, the way Days tends to write people off, it it doesn't lend itself to that. Like, they bring someone back, and then they have to come up for the story for them rather than someone's return being like an oh-my-God moment the way Jason's is on General Hospital. Peter Reckl may or may not be returning to Days of Our Lives, but Jillian has has returned to the the Daytime Confidential podcast. Welcome, Jillian. Hey. Sarah, I was going to piggyback off what you said. You better not criticize the comings and goings of Days because um, somebody, I can't remember your name. I'm so sorry, darling. Somebody from Daytime Royalty interviewed Ken Corday and mentioned how they ushered people off. And Ken was not amused by what they said. That was, was the best interview. Whoever whoever had daytime royalty, I know Kenny is like the top dog over there. But it I don't wasn't know Kenny. He, okay, whoever did that interview, that was the best soap opera uh, person getting a shot at a creator interview I have possibly ever read since I've been doing this. They held Ken's feet to... I had to, like, look around. I was like, wait a minute. Ken did this interview? I mean, they held his feet to the proverbial fire. They weren't combative or antagonistic. No. They, they did a damn good job. They, you know, and he got bristly, you know, you know like Jillian He got Scott. bucked. <laughs> they, mentioned, they mentioned the... Um, 
how they usher people off. And then at first he got crunk and was like, what do you want me to do with Kristen? And they were like, we're not talking about that. They were like, we're talking about, uh, Bo, we're talking about Patch and Kayla. Like, they went there. And I was like, okay. And, you I know. I feel though, in the current. Because, of course, days we know. We we blogged it. We blogged their, their very rocky Dina Higley years of just doing one foolish thing after another. But they have about three good years at this point under their belt of solid, good soap opera. And, you know, they just can't afford it. You know, I heard from an insider, you know, Days basically is at a 20, 20, what am I, I don't want to speak out of term, but it, their salary cap, is not even $3,000 for the majority of the cast. Basically, from what I hear, only the Deirdre Halls and the like are making over three three Gs an episode. So they can't even compete. You know, I mean, there's we all know, everybody who covers soaps, everybody who watches soaps, you know, knows that Eileen Davidson gets, you know, her gets to put her foot in you know, the storyline pot over there at Days of Our Lives. They are telling majestic storylines for her mm-hmm. and consistently have. They don't have to get on and do an interview telling us we are going to do a big story for Kristen because we just know that when they get her back, they're going to have her show up and show out. But Lice is the person's name over at Daytime Royalty. Okay, but they can't afford their, you know, Sony sister <laughs> soaps Duckets. They can't afford to pay well, her what she's worth. And, and, and no, and so she's going back to Y and R. You know, where yeah, the they, past couple of times, I'm not gonna hold them to that. But you know, there's been a whole lot of not just from this regime, but you know, almost damn near back to 1999. We're gonna do right by Eileen. One crazy story, and not a good way. Not great priest crazy. We're talking Ashley's crushing on the same. <laughs> Guy that a daughter and a stepdaughter. I mean, that's you know that's what we're getting at Y and R because they can afford her, whereas Days can't. So that has to suck for Ken in a way. Well, one thing that also sucks at Days of Our Lives, at least so far, is EJ's exit storyline. If I if I would have if if I would have known six months ago that when or whenever it was that they announced that James Scott was leaving, that him leaving was going to be the result of a henchman killing him. Why do you think it's now granted now granted it's it's now well because it's like this is EJ Demera. This is like a Kristen type character. They should be going out with a much bigger storyline, but a thing in the park where a henchman who wasn't even the person he was facing off against shoots him. Your your name was it, I mean, it's, it's like, was, to me, it's like there may be a twist at this, but right now I'm not there feeling is it. A well, I was, Kristen I was showed up with a syringe and injected him in the morgue at Stefano's order. I was just going to say, if your name was EJ Lover 7569 me, I would understand that reaction. You are yeah. a journalist. You know that there's a bigger twist. Kristen already well, but, showed up with a syringe. I and just wanted to today's episode. You know, we established that they switched the damn urn of his ashes. So, well, and I haven't watched today's. I watched well, yesterday's, yeah, but I like, haven't watched today's. I was not. I, but I I'm talking about the shooting itself. I didn't it's, think it was bad. I was just like, I was, you know, I said it, and Logan was like, "If it's consolation," I'm like, "No, it's not 
because I was like, y'all ain't had to do that to EJ because I was all in. I loved it. I loved it. To me, I'm sorry. I liken it to Gotham. And I know I'm going to catch hell because everybody, look, here's the deal. Nobody's happy that this cat is leaving. I'm not happy. This is a huge loss. This is an equivalent loss to today's losing Stephen Nichols back when he left the first time. They are losing their number one male star. Huge loss. There's really nothing they could have done except for, now the E-Jammy fans, who I am one of their their membership, would have loved for him to get the sail off with Sammy like Bo and Hope on the fancy face. That's not dramatic. That's not gonna, that doesn't serve the show. Back then, the show was in a good enough place and had enough super couples, which according to the daytime royalty interview, King Cordy no longer believes in super couples, so there you go. I mean, but they, that explains you know, they need him to leave with a powerful story that jumps off, not just a sail off into happiness. And I'm sorry, they have given Allison Sweeney her last. If this doesn't get her an Emmy nomination, there is no justice. Because they have given her what she did in there with that corpse was soap opera 101. And in life, sometimes larger than life people do meet random ends. Who would have ever thought that Bill Cosby's wealthy heir son would get randomly killed on a Los Angeles or, you know, in a South, I mean, a Southern California highway in a random random deaths happen to very important people. I mean, it's great soap opera. I mean, it's great drama because they were back together. They were happy. They could see the forest for the trees after everything Sammy and EJ had been through. They were happy. And then boom, just like that in that same park where she, you know, step on. They should. The thing of it is, those people, the Demera Brady family, should never even go in that damn park because nothing ever good happens in the woods in that park. You know, Nick is probably out there still swimming some damn where. Sammy was killing police officers a while back. I mean, anytime they go to the park, anytime little Johnny says, "Can we have a picnic?" Hell no, little boy. You know, because nothing good happens for that blended family in that park, but I'm enjoying it, and I think Allison is getting the chance to act her ass off, even with the extended Demera family. That's what happens in life. Not every time do you get to say, all right, big brother, we'll squash this with some basketball. I know you screwed my girl, but I love you again. No, Chad's last words to his brother were, you're dead to me. Kate is in glee because of all of the mischief, even though she had a kinship with EJ, too. And Stefano had just disowned his baby boy, and then he finds out from Sammy they took him to the morgue. I mean, I got to see some drama from days that I'm still, even though they're winning Emmys and stuff over the last couple of years, I got to see some drama that I'm not used to seeing with that show. And it still gave us the James Riley Trist that, oh, he might still be alive in case James Scott goes to primetime and doesn't make it and wants to come back. I mean, you know, I know I'm... Sarah, what did you think of John not spilling about Teresa? Um, I actually like it. Like when he first did it, I was like, "Oh, why is he prolonging this?" And then I was like, "Oh yeah, because it's his way of neutralizing Kristen. That's actually good storytelling." And Teresa kind of knows that he's on to her, and it creates an interesting dynamic for the future, which is what Days has to unfortunately think of is what is Days after Ejami. And I mean, believe me, I'm sitting here wearing black, sitting shiva Girl, for my poor EJ. You too, Cheryl, we I need love a that man. I mean, loved him. And I love that I 
I am not as enthusiastic as Jamie because I wish the actual death scene had been bigger. Like someone from like EJ's past from like six years ago had come yes. out. Like I don't know. I think he's dead now. Shut up! I hate. But you know, had come out and and you know shot him. But like Allison Sweeney, they gave her the Emmy reel to end all Emmy reels, and if Ooh. she does not get it for the next year, I'm gonna be. Well, there's not much I can do about it, but like, we gonna act you know, write some harsh words. But I'll I will be very upset. I mean, Jill Fair and Phelps could not have put together a better Emmy reel. That was how good that episode. Better wash, girl. No. She'll probably kill off. Uh, 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 <laughs> no, not Victor. She goes for the kids. She gonna probably kill off who? Winnie and Nelson. Uh, Ooh, ask Stuart David Brad Ball. Now, now I'm gonna have to make me cut for her now. She is a lot of things, but that's like her saying, I'm gonna well, kill no, off Luke. Okay, because somebody probably showed her that video where he clearly says, If you were a man, I'd punch you in the face. Come on now, like uh, no. uh, if Jillian. Uh, well, what? This when last, David, this... Look, GH fans out there hollering, you hear me? Wasn't Alan once the victor of poor Charles? Yeah, but he never slowly digressed from doing that. Victor is still Victor. Now, if she does that to Eric Braden, I will that's... say that's one thing, and maybe that's Eric's combatability, or is that a word? Combativeness himself, but he through all these regimes. He has never let them make Victor just pawpaw who pets the children. So I guess that's it. That's to his credit because he has never let that happen. Whereas, because, you know, I mean, when I wasn't watching GH back then, but you, I mean, GH went to number one. I mean, I guess Luke would be more akin to Victor, but I'd say Alan, I used to hear about Alan Quartermain a lot back in the day when I was, yeah, this, before this I was. Is, this is the equivalent of Victor, of Luke Spencer. She ain't, uh-uh, Jill is a lot well, of things. Luke is begging me. folks to kill him. Tony Geary beg every writer that come on the show, kill me. Please. Well, that's, <laughs> me. that's not, Victor, what's your name now? Eric. Eric ain't, it ain't like that. Jillian, <laughs> this last week on General Hospital, they um, took the wrappings off the mummy. And reveal Jason. I'm so... I was like, you know, someone was like, why do you call him Killis? Because he slays and sees. I'm like, you're damn right. I'm like, I'm not calling it that because he got a killer smile. I'm like, because he going to slay it. He's going to slay. They finally showed his face. I was a little tired of the mummy thing. I was like, come on now. Like, stop. I love it. I love it. I love it. I cannot wait for Jason to get back in the saddle. Please, Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, let him be able to shoot because we know how this regime is with people with shooting and shit. I'm like, please let Jason still have that. A tab still have that. I mean, he looked like he still had it when he shot the shit out of Helena's henchmen. Speaking of Helena, she has a spy who's oh, who's God. keeping an eye on Jason. Uh, Sarah, how do you think this is developing? I am into this storyline. Like I, you know, I ha- they managed to create all the suspense of like who's going to be the first person we see with Billy Miller, not you know, extra playing the part of Jason from the chest down. That nurse, that and... nurse who took him to her studio. That nurse, we know who it was. We know, we know. Elizabeth Webber. Yep, and I mean as. I will admit it, I am one of the people who is a liaison fan, although I also like Jason and Sam, so I guess I have, I'm, you know, fickle like that, but um, I 
always felt like their story was just a little bit unfinished. So I am loving this. I love that, like, they have this bond and, like, I mean, it is soap 101 and it is working perfectly with, like, him being called Jake. And, oh. you know, I mean, no. I've, I am into it. I am loving Killer Miller's take on, on Amnesia Jason so far. Like, he's not trying to imitate Steve Burton. He's creating a new character, but it seems true to the essence of kind of what we know the character to be, and I'm really looking forward to him getting out of that hospital bed and doing stuff. I think he read Don't Sweat the Small Stuff while he was chilling at Crichton Clark because he's got a sense of humor now. He's flirty. He's chuckling a little bit. I'm like, hmm. Well, Jamie, someone who got out of a wheelchair is Nina and Silas Cotter. And he isn't happy about it. And her, her gig is up. And then her mom is back. Silas and Cotter. Is that welcome back Cotter's brother? Yes. Um, and th- then her mother revealed that Phil- Nina had taken all the money. What are your thoughts on how Nina and Silas's reveal went? It felt like, you know, I know Michael Easton used to play on Days of Our Lives, but he was there a little bit before Austin Reed showed up in town. But he has been the Austin Reed of Port Charles during this storyline, while Sam has been like, I think she might can walk. No, no. Nina would never lie to me. I think she was following us up on the roof. Me and no, that's not true. Nina, I have guilt over cheating on her, so she would never do that. I think Nina bitch ass was at the roller derby last week. (laughs) And he is like, no, no, no. It took her sprinting across general hospitals, you know, jumping through the air, (laughs) flying, ducking, and rolling after Franco for him to finally go. I thought, oh, sorry. You mean you can walk? But look, Michelle Stafford is incredible, and she is playing Nina like that thug mom who show you know the police show up. You didn't show up at court. I ain't had no day in court. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't get it in the mail. Y'all must have didn't send it to me because I ain't had no appearance to show up in court. She is holding on to her story and threatening everybody who might tell it. But I think her mama gonna be a match for. Oh, my God. I thought for sure that Nina was going to jump up and be like, it's a miracle. I can love, I can walk. I thought she was going to do something like, like, hallelujah. You know, and she running across that Silas looking all stupid. I'm like, dude. Didn't, didn't it feel notice? sort of like one of those 70s or eight, early 80s sitcoms where somebody is suing George Jefferson because they tripped at Jefferson's cleaners and then they go to court? <laughs> <laughs> And then Jenny catch them before the end of the thirty minutes walk. <laughs> like the Golden Girls, since they like to. Yes, yes. Oh, Sophia with Sophia. No, no, no. It was no. This was a different one. This was um, Blanche had hit somebody or something. No, Rose had hit somebody in Blanche's car, and they thought he was faking it. And Blanche was like, "Okay, Rose, you be in the closet while I dress up as the naughty nurse." And Blanche did, and Rose caught, and the guy ran after Rose. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember when Sophia no. got hit in the head at the ball game, yeah. and Stan made her pretend, <laughs> pretend like she had some kind of medical malady. Yes, we watched the Golden Girls too, GH writers. <laughs> yeah, but don't do 
Jillian, uh, what did uh, speaking of watching? What do you think of the, the Franco spying on Carly and Sonny having sex? You are. I'm like you're such a freak. Like you are such a freak, Franco. Like what? Like I'm just like, are you waiting until the wedding day to like bust them? That's that's how I feel. I feel as though Franco is gonna wait. Like I thought he was gonna wait until the wedding day to be like, and hey, Michael, your daddy killed your real daddy, and your mama's a hoe or something. Cause I'm I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I just think Franco is just so creeptastic. Sarah, does Maxie have the worst judge presiding over her case ever? Yes. And I mean, doesn't he have any more important cases than this little thing? I'm like, it's family court. In real life, I'm like, she she didn't hit the kid. She's not on meth. She'd get damn visitation rights. Moish but- daddy. <laughs> They like, even give meth head mamas back where I'm from. Like, we used to laugh about that. It takes a lot for a mama to lose. They will give that mama back custody. She can have three teeth in her head and and be smoking the meth in front of the judge. And they're going to be like, okay, we go see the social worker over for a visit. Come Monica, out here, Juniper and Pearl. You know? Monica just needs to put it down on him one time and be like, all right, look. You let Maxie see her little baby, you hear? Monica just needs to do a solid for Maxie. Do one for the team. Give some to Moesha, daddy. I'm like, Frank mm-hmm. Mitchell, stop being mean. Monica's good good must be have gotten a little bad bad for somebody to leave a date with her for 30 minutes to go harass an unfit mother across the room. Look, That's what you call can too. I thought, I thought she was going, he was going to set up Ned and, and um her having an affair with um Ned again because her and Ned sit there and chatted for 30 minutes. Jamie, speaking of chatting, you spoke with Lindsay Godfrey on The Bold and the Beautiful. I did. I and did, posted I it on DC. did. Oh, you talk about, look, I, as I sit here in Atlanta with all this construction and hoping that we don't get snowmageddon, hope, hoping that in a few months they bought snow plows this year, I called Lindsay on the, she's like, we're on the beach. So she's on the beach with her gorgeous boyfriend and baby daddy, Robert Adamson, who plays Noah on The Young and the Restless, and their new baby, Alita Serene. And I'm just like, yeah, y'all on the beach. I'm here on my headset talking to y'all. But yeah, we got a lot of good dish in. Um, uh, yeah, you know, she had been on maternity leave, of course. And, you know, she talked about how Robert got three weeks off the show. That's some of the stuff I left out of the interview. She, he um, he wasn't working for three weeks. He didn't actually get paternity leave. He well, didn't need it because he was got. But anyway, they oh. got three good weeks of bonding time. And then she get you know, while she's on maternity leave, she gets an email from Brad Bell saying, what would you think about Caroline and Ridge? And she said she was all for it from the beginning. Of course, my first question was, okay, now, you've been pretty pretty feisty up against Maya. Are you ready <laughs> for Caroline to get her head eaten off by Helen mm-hmm. And she was just gushing about, I mean, she says it's getting to go work at the big kids table, that she is all for it. She is having the time of her life with the story. And you can tell, I mean, it's so old school bell soap. It's like, Ridge, you know, you and I are the future of Forrester. Let us create together. Let me mold. He told his daddy, let me mold her. I said, mm, that's what they call it in Southern California. Huh? So, yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I was skeptical. I said, you know, because some of the times, especially with Ridge, with some of his more out there 
flirtations, like with um, Bridget, they'll push it to the limit and then back off. So I was like, are they really going to have Ridge leave Katie for his little brother's wife? And she was like, let burst out into hysterical giggles, which I was like, hmm, I'm going to take that for what it's worth. And she said, you have to stay tuned. And as you see, he's already swapping spit with her. So I wonder if he's playing her. I wonder if he is doing that to like, I just get a vibe that maybe Ridge is playing Caroline and Rick or something like maybe he's playing her so that she can help him get his muse, like get his groove back and like playing these mind games with Rick so he could come in there and swoop in and get um, the CEO ship or something. Yeah. I mean, his father, it's so funny how Eric Forrester is such a conservative (laughs) when he's married all of his daughters-in-law. But all of a sudden, Eric is enamored by the idea of being CEO emeritus and leaving the company in the hands of another husband and wife power couple, just like he and Stephanie were. You know, he wants that again. And so he's all enamored by that in Rick and Caroline. And I'm like, does he not remember tossing Stephanie over for, for Brooke and then Brooke managed to steal half of the 51% of the company away from him? And I mean, they that's one thing about uh, that show with the with the revisionist history. Not so much it's not so much that the writers are revising history. I think it's that's more of a human nature thing because it's like in a real family. When you're at your grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary, it's like, oh, yeah, mom and daddy have been married 50 wonderful years. And it's like, um, what about that six months she put him out? <laughs> you know, that's the kind of stuff they do with B&B. It's like they create Eric and Stephanie as if they were this paragon of, of partnership and virtue when, you know, the show began with him saying, Stephanie don't you feel the malaise setting in in this marriage? So um, the malaise setting in in Rick's marriage, though, is Big Brother sniffing around, and Caroline likes to be sniffed. Now, my thing is, the, the heat of this story, and Jillian knows this, it's going to be when Katie decides to have a reaction to all of this. Sarah, I hate to go here, but... What do you think of Quinn, Hope, Liam, and Steffi? Well, let's say what I do like is Quinn and Deacon. Like, they're such over-the-top characters, but somehow when they were together in that sort of flirting but not admitting how much they like each other scene, it felt, like, really real. Like, I felt like we saw who Quinn was for the first time when she was like, I don't like to be touched. And you sort of get, you know, that beneath all of the, like, campiness and pushing people into rivers and stuff rena sofer has found like a real human being um so i like that aspect of it as for the the triangle oh lord i i mean at this point it's just like i'm like can anyone root for hope to be with either of these two guys because she just really she just wants whichever one's not in the room with her at any given moment so, and you know, the fact that Allie was all like, I would really like to see you with Liam. I'm like, you're a teenager. Who cares what you'd like to see people with? You get to go, like, dictate what relationships other people should have. You know, the whole, again, it's getting back to what Jamie said. It's the conservatism of Bold and the Beautiful. Like, because Wyatt's the baby daddy, Hope feels she has to be saddled with him. 
you know, Liam can't, she can't be like, well, you know, you and I will raise the baby, but I'm going to be with Liam. She can't do anything that would be 21st century about it because culturally bold is in its weird way, very old fashioned and conservative. The show set in LA and the fashion industry is like the most old school morale, you know, morals from, you know, 30 years ago of the soaps. So, I mean, it's, it's is my least favorite story on the show like everything going on with the foresters with ridge and with caroline and with katie and maya looking off to the side being like "Ooh, i'm gonna how can i use this to get rick back inside of of me you know she's oh sarah <laughs> this is what happens is jamie and luke's fault um you know we will corrupt you now we will corrupt you <laughs> but you know it's like this this sort of albatross around the bold and the beautiful's neck. And I get that it is echoing the original Brooke, Caroline, Ridge, Triangle, which I will admit I was never all that into. So I feel like maybe it's just for some, that story's written for someone other than me. Now, Jillian. You not uh, into, that was so awesome. It was, it was. Gone with the Wind in the fashion industry. Oh my God, Open shut up about Gone with the Wind. Scarlet was blonde and beautiful and from the valley this time. Mm-hmm. And Melanie Wilkes was brunette and also beautiful. And a doctor who had no sense of boundaries because I maintain 20 odd years later that the doctor was always wrong for trying to sleep with her dead patient's husband. I think Taylor killed Caroline, so that she could get rich. There, I said. Jillian, uh, Sarah mentioned albatrosses. Sharon Newman's albatross oh and Phyllis God. returned to Genoa City. What did you think of her stopping the wedding? Phyllis, you know what I had to say about Phyllis? It was classic soap, but you know, the cynic in me was like, nah, she doesn't go to see her daughter. She doesn't go to see her man. She said, I'm gonna get me a couture dress and bust up in this church, bitch. I'm like, You've been in a coma for a year. You don't even, you know, get to see if every if everything is working out to see your child to call Daniel and be like, I'm, I, "Eyes, oh, eyes here." She is like, "No, I'm going to get me a dress from Fenmore's and get a nice bob and let Sharon know, bitch, I know what you did last summer." I'm like, that was just I'm like, that was just crazy. Like, I had to chuckle at that. I'm like. Good God from Zion is changing. They all do that. I haven't seen a soap return ever where they did the the go see the chillins thing. Marlena went and looked at her chillins, and then she went right to that dock to find who. <laughs> I mean, you know that there's no soapy drama in her. Come on, oh, hi, Subber. Well, let's talk about the. No, but you know the control. The couture dress thing was a little bit much. I mean, I remember when Carly came to her own when it was played by Joe Girl. Yeah! Camera. She came in there with that trench coat and was like, what the hell? And ran off. Beautiful. Phyllis didn't even come in there with no... She came in there with a gown. Like, Sharon, like, bitch, I look better than you. What? Like, because the whole emotional point of the story is 
Her return is the undoing of Sharon. There Sharon is having the audacity to sit up there in front of God and man in Genoa City in a white dress. And Phyllis said, oh, no, bitch, you done threw me down the stairs even though I don't know it. My spirit knows it. And I'm coming back here in this white dress that I have the audacity to wear even though I ran down Cricket and Paul and lied to Danny Romalotti about who his baby daddy was even though that boy is not older than me. I'm finna show up in this church house with my hair looking too tough and i'm finna tear it up i love sarah meanwhile the fallout from it is affecting everybody from jack and to summer to avery how are you liking the fallout um i think phyllis's return is the shot in the arm that yr needed like first of all and i just want to single out what a good job gina tognoni is doing playing an iconic character she's killing it for me and yet she again like i said about billy miller not imitating Michelle Stafford. She's just thinking about who Phyllis is and she's playing it and it's different than other characters she's played before. Um, The only issue I had is like for Jack, like we can't honestly believe that he'd even remember Kelly's name if Phyllis came back because he dated this woman for two minutes. I mean, it's a storyline. All they did was talk about freaking Vivaldi, whereas he and Phyllis were tearing up, you know, the sheets. You know, it's just like one of those things where I'm like, I mean, I get that it's like they they made them be insta serious romance, so they have to undo it. But it's like one of those times when I'm like, I don't really believe you being torn. I believe you feeling bad about kicking Kelly to the curb. You know, you don't need to like put her stuff out on the porch or anything. But I mean, it's just like it's I don't believe that he would be torn. But I like all the drama, you know, for Sharon for. I mean, I love that Michael has his his best friend back. I like that, you know, it's like suddenly gives Summer Although, something maybe, to do. Maybe, maybe he won't need Viagra now. Although Michael stood there and watched her shake and shock on that floor like, what's wrong with her? <laughs> Jamie, um, speaking of drama, you interviewed, or interviewed Michelle Morgan and talked about the Devon, Hillary, and uh, Neil triangle. Yes, and ooh, the Hevon fans are coming for me. Look, it's a storyline on the show. They are in a triangle. People were trying to come for me, child, because it was like, it's not a triangle, it's only Hevon. Oh, okay, I didn't know that, because on the show that we watch it every day, it looked like she married to his daddy and screwing the son. That is a triangle. And the actress herself said that she's torn. Now, I totally feel, now I will say at the beginning of the story, I was more Neil and Hillary because I thought they had some heat. But the writers have definitely not tried to play her as sexually torn by both men anymore. I mean, I guess, you know, she was, she definitely had a sexual spark with Neil in the beginning, but I guess when he lost his eyesight, he don't know how to put it in anymore. (laughs) But, you know, um, Devon is like, I couldn't hear for a while, but I could see where... Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You want me to put it, you know, can one of the the doggone winners keep their senses? But, um, no, I'm loving that story and I loved talking with her. She is so excited um again you know i talked to two very excited cbs daytime soap starlets and i was i love devon telling hillary how to uh, not hillary telling lily how to cow eat the cabbage i'm like girl shut up you know but yes but you know what i thought i said you know this would be a perfect time 
Lily's nosiness and being so obsessed with like getting rid of Hillary and stuff and finding out what Devon's doing, wouldn't that be so perfect for like Kane to like feel neglected and start drifting towards some other hoe and creating their own drama. I'm sorry, Kane and Lily fans, but they cannot be happy all the time. Look yeah, at Michael and, and, and Lauren. You know, it's not servicing the couple well, even if you're a fan of the couple. It's not servicing the actors. That's yeah. not a... I will say that they should be a little frustrated because all they do is basically exist to prop that story. And then, of course, Lily gets to be friends with two decades older than her Kelly. That is always so bizarre when they have those. And Lily is all, ooh... So did you and Jack get freaky? Like, I'm like, girl, that, that man was Daniel's stepfather, you nasty little wench. You watched that man grow That man watched you grow up. You all, mm, so what did you and Jack do last night? I'm like, ew, you shouldn't be asking. And Lily needs a friend her own age. Um, but yeah, I think they're doing this whole let Lily like, learn to like her, and then this will really blow up in their face. But um, yeah, they, they need to play up a little more of the Lily and Kane side of things. But um, I, my whole, my main, all I need um, in this life is a girl. No. Anyway, uh, Puppy and Diddy! I mean, Diddy and J-Lo back together, so I'm thinking about that song. But anyway, oh no. Oh my god. All I need from this story is for Neil to tell Devon he wish he would have had Drew leave him at the Foundling home. He has to say that. I'm sorry. He has to go off at, on that boy. He brought that boy into his house, paid for him to get a new ear when his ear fell off, did all these wonderful things for him. His mama was out there cracking tobacco, you know, and dog blasted. He done messed with another one of Neil's women. Mm-hmm. Neil has got to tell him I wish the paperwork never, ever, ever got processed on your little ass. <laughs> and on that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at daytimeconfidential.com. Add us as a friend on Facebook, facebook.com slash dcconfidential. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter. Neil is Mia Farrow. Brought that little girl in her house and then she fucked her husband. I put her out that day. Get out of here, Su, Su Ling. Get Sun Ying. What is that? Till next time. So long. I'm in a rice field sleeping with my. <gasps> Stop! No, I can't.